My name is Christina Kukuk. I'm an ordained minister in the United Church of Christ since 2005, a hospice chaplain, and author of the book, Loving What Doesn't Last, An Adoration of the Body, published by Morehouse Press. An excerpt from Loving What Doesn't Last, the chapter Body Count, Mary Had a Baby. It's just baby toes. One December, I find myself gazing at a blurry black-and-white photograph of an infant's feet and guessing that I'm supposed to feel warm and fuzzy. At the sight of those little piggies, I'm expected to slip into baby talk, gushing over chubby toesy woesies. It is December, when dimpled babies kill Christmas with cuteness. I'm supposed to caption this photo for a writing assignment. I check myself. What do I really feel? Progressive Christian folks avoid focusing too much on the baby at Christmas. It's not just kind consideration for the bereaved parents or those who are unwillingly childless. You could make a solid case that Christmas is more about the end of the world as we know it than it is about the little squirt who soiled those swaddling clothes. The sparse infancy stories in our Bibles make a pretty pathetic baby album for Jesus. Then there are mothers like me who look at that photo of baby feet and think not, how shall we receive the Christ child this year? But rather, have they digitally altered that kid's toenails? Or are my infants the only ones who come out with gnarly talons? Caring for actual infants 24-7 stretches nativity sentimentality beyond credibility. Whoever wrote that little Lord Jesus no crying he makes was not a parent. Babies are loud and they stink. One may nuzzle your neck sweetly and a second later regurgitate their sour milk vomit into the open neckline of your shirt, down into your bra and right between your breasts. For these reasons and others, I don't focus much on the baby either. Except one year, when singing Mary Had a Baby felt like proclaiming a revolution. The year Tamir Rice was killed. The Museum of Natural History chock full of children was where I tried to recalibrate after too late a night following activist friends on social media. But everywhere I moved, I felt the whiteness of my skin. My white motherness. The relative skin safety of my white son, whom I sent into one bathroom while I spun into the other to discover only my white self and one black mother, I battled the urge to say something, anything. What would I say? I'm sorry. Can I help? I did not say anything. I do think I offered an empathetic smile. In the cavity of my chest, my heart ached, and I felt the individual cells of the skin on my forearms, hands, and face, as if whiteness had singed each one. I wondered if the other woman trying to wash her hands, unbothered by my earnest aura, felt anything similar, yet different. The author Tandeka calls the ache of my cells trauma. The trauma left behind by learning to be white. In her book by that title, she proposes that there is a moment in the childhood of every Euro-American when they are inducted into whiteness an initiation instigated and maintained by shame. 
Assigned to me in a seminary course, I peppered the pages of that book with blue pen marks of both incredulity and conviction. My questions and exclamations deepened in the years that followed with each new hashtag and its aftermath. As I wrestled to understand how the holy might make a home in this body of mine, I had to wrestle too with the ways this white body related to the black and brown bodies, our transcontinental muscle memories, and all the places past and present these bodies intersected in dances of power and violence. I will never ever fully understand what it was like for that black mother to walk through the Museum of Natural History that day, carrying that particular generational trauma of anti-blackness. But those were the years I started to sing Odetta's Mary Had a Baby with desperate gusto. I sang not to debate the scientific improbability or the creedal value of a virgin birth. I know why that bit makes a good story, and I don't need other people to believe in the incarnation, that technical term for God becoming human. I don't even need the members of my faith community to believe it. But I will tell you it's what keeps me following Jesus. There was a man with a body in whom other people met God. The holy divine became a child of ordinary human beings, so that ordinary human beings might become children of God. God took on flesh first in the womb of a woman. Mary had a baby so that here, in my body, I can be holy now, not just after I'm rid of it. Emmanuel's coming made Cece's and Betty's and Brittany's and Tamir's flesh sacred long before it was bruised and cut and pierced. I sang Mary had a baby to insist that and to pray that many more of us would live as the children of God we were born to be and count every body as holy. Perhaps that holiness is easier to believe when gazing at an infant. Vincent van Gogh painted the baby Marcel Rouen three times by herself and twice in her mother's lap in 1888, explaining, a newborn baby has the infinite in its eyes. Every body counts. The baby bodies with kissable toes and stinky heads, the elderly bodies we must wipe clean. The saggy bodies with rolls and dimples, the bony bodies with sharp angles and thin skin the bodies subconsciously coded dangerous for no other reason than their pigmentation, the bodies that emerge from a womb to be assigned a gender and identity vastly different than their owners know themselves to be, the bodies that discover in middle-aged childhood wounds that left scars more than skin deep. Mary had a baby, and every body counts. Advent for Every Body is a production of Trinity Episcopal Cathedral in Portland, Oregon. To learn more, go to www.trinity-episcopal.org.